Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. He goes, if he has autism, like maybe he shouldn't be in this environment. I was snapping, Nick. She is not interested in meeting with the opposition and she is hiding from the issue. It's so important that people are critical of what they see online and check people's credentials. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Morning. Where are you sitting right now? Where exactly are you? Where is your car? Where is the bus you're in? Where is the taxi you're trying to take to work? Where are you right now, listening to me just now? And how long have you been sitting there? Because according to the lads, Casey and Ross were just telling me, and it was really, really busy on the roads again this morning. And sure, yesterday morning, we were absolutely inundated with messages from people stuck 40 minutes there, an hour there, an hour and 25 minutes going from here to there and not even halfway there yet. So where are you right now? How long have you been sitting there? How late are you? Because you'll be interested in this. Remember last week on the programme, Derek was talking to me, taxi driver Derek was asking me about this change that came in on the bridges uh, back in August where you can't go the right over Christie Ring Bridge or Patrick's Bridge and Derek was making the point and slowing everything down. Bobby Lynch, who's now the chair of the Taxi Council, I have talked to Bobby many times over the years. Bobby's been driving a taxi since the God knows when. Um, Bobby was saying the same, like, it's it's a disaster. And he said, everyone is complaining, and we can't all be wrong about this. There's a man called, and I'm sure he's a very nice man, so I'm not going to take him on personally about this, but there's a man called Inspector James Hallahan. And Inspector James Hallahan is the head of roads policing in Cork. Head of the traffic court, basically, in Cork. Head of roads policing. And according to the Echo, uh, Donald O'Keefe writing in the Echo, Inspector Hallahan says... Are you listening to me? Are you listening to this? 
Are you listening? Wherever you're sitting, okay? Wherever you've been sitting, seething and boiling in your own sweat for the last 20 minutes, half an hour, right? Inspector James Hallahan says it is working quite well. And he is appealing for patience as we become accustomed to the scheme which was introduced three months ago. So you're sitting in at the moment cursing and swearing again and late again and your children late for school again and you're really worried about your dental appointment at 10 o'clock or your doctor's appointment at quarter past nine. No, no, it's all right. It's all working well. That's according to the head of the roads policing division in Cork. Just let that there to start us off. Thursday morning, good morning to you. 0818 96 96 96. Did you see yesterday's papers? Um, and this story about, you know, Katrina Toomey is across everything to do with homelessness and hunger and poverty and those problems in the city. And Katrina has been saying recently that she has come across people who are now sleeping at work. She's quoted one story of a man sleeping in the storeroom. His boss knows about it and the boss is okay with it once he's gone out of the storeroom in time to get into work and make it look like he came from home kind of thing because he's got nowhere else to go. And people are sleeping in in cars and that and it's just getting getting worse and worse and worse. John is one of the people whose story was on The Echo uh, yesterday. Morning, John. Uh, good morning, PJ. John, you lost your apartment, what, two months ago? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, two and a half months ago, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell me what's been uh, happening since, mate. Well, I, I went to City Hall. I had to spend the night in Simon so that I'd have an address. Um, I found that disheartening, you know. Yeah. Um, which I did. Um, I had to sleep on the floor they got paid for and uh, I, I told them you know that I'd rather sleep in my car I, I can't say for you know yeah. um, and that's it I mean I've been working with Katrina for years and uh, it's all destroying you know but I, I just keep my head up and you know just get on with it you know yeah so yeah. the lease was open the apartment and, and that was it you had to go yeah. you had to yeah. go you went looking for places I have PJ. I mean, over two weeks, I'd say I applied online to maybe 60, 70 places. I got one reply with references. One. So, one. One reply, which was way down Kerry direction. No, I'm looking Cork City and County. And it's the same. It's the same. I mean, I can't travel. I mean, there's no option. But at the moment, you know, I, I'm parked up I'm in a safe place. And even the guards know where I, I'm there. And yeah. I have a bike made out and... Uh, it's all strong, but yeah. you have a bed kind of made in the car, have you? Yeah, yeah, it's like an orthopedic bed. <laughs> it's uh, the best thing you know I could do, and right. you know I got, only got advice from Katrina, and, you know. Yeah, I know you yeah. do a bit of volunteer work in the penny dinners there. Yeah, I'm here uh, most mornings at eight o'clock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. with the lads, and I, and I tell you, there are angels in, in here, you know, mm-hmm. the pure angels. Like, so, so, so what do you do? The, is the car always parked in the same place? Yeah, and I get the bus to where the car is. And you know what? Going there, it's like, it's hard to say, it's like, it doesn't feel like going home, you know? It, of course it doesn't. It's, it's like, I see people, I go, gee, they're going home and they're going to put a key on the front door. And 
I'm saying I'm putting the key in the car, you know? Yeah. I, I know two young ones as well, and that's even harder. Like, do, you no. kid, do you kids know you're in the car? No. I'm sorry, PJ. I, I don't want them to know, you know? Of course. Uh, man, man that, that's, that's, that's completely... Now, you would be entitled to HAP, would you? I am, yes. Um, in the region, I think it was 1,300 euros. And look, I... I I work, like I want to go back working part-time. Uh, I cannot because I don't have an address, you know. Mm. Um, uh, you know, I'm a butcher by trade, and uh, I snapped my thumb off my right hand about two and a half years ago. Right. But it, it, it's back to normal now, you know. I'm able to, to go back. But they, they, they put me on disability when, it, when, when the thumb came off my hand, you know. I, was, I fell up a step. It was stupid the way it happened. But, um, you know, it is what it is, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, but you've done therapy now and you can use your hand and everything is okay oh, now. yeah, yeah. It's back to, you know, it's 90% yeah. more. Yeah. Back, and, know. like, could you go back to your trade, John? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've, as I said, I've been offered work, um, you know, three three days a week I'd be handy with that and I'd come in here then for the other four days okay. because I, I, there's no way I would stop coming into Katrina, you know? Sure. Uh, because it's, like, it's so rewarding in here, PJ, you know? Yeah. So, so there's a job offer on the table for you, like... Oh, yeah, they, right. if I want it, but, um, like, uh, I cannot take it because I have no address. The tax man, you know, you, you need an okay. address. Okay, sorry, I was confused for a second. So you have a job offer on the table, but you can't take the job because you've no address for the revenue commissioners. Yeah, exactly. And, you're, and your employer can't actually give you the job no, unless he's, no. or she's going to. No, well, I can go work with him, but I'd be emergency taxed. And that's what <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's yeah. Yeah, 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 you need, you need an address in this country to have a job, like every other country, you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, and, and it's, that's it. Like, and you know, I, I'm on the housing list. I suppose nearly eight years now, and and uh, I've been on to a few people in in the city hall for trying to push my case. And but look, things are you know they are what they are, and I just keep trying, Peter. You know, know, that's all I, I know. I know that you were also. Um, and look, working inside in penny dinners, I've said this to people on and off the air. There, there's nobody knows the system better than Katrina and her colleagues. Nobody. Nobody, no. And, and they could, they, they, in fact, they could teach our city officials how to run a system if they were given, given some time to do it. But here's my point. There were houses empty. Well, to be honest, PJ, I sent an address of a house in the south side into an official in yeah. City Hall with the air code. And that house has been idle for like 14 months. And here I am in my car. You know, and... I find that disheartening, PJ. It's like they don't care anymore or something. Or, you know, yeah. that's not a Red tape is just, I don't know. Well, there was a story in the paper this week, John. I'm sure you may or may not have seen it, but um, the, the, the turnover time now of a council house becoming vacant and being reallocated, can, it can take a year or more. That's because they hire contractors to go in PJ and do it, and there's no contract building. Builders around at the moment, man, yeah. because they're all building. Yeah, but if I leave you know, a place, John, yeah, if I if I leave a place in good nick, sure, isn't it, it should be given out the next into. week. Yeah, it's good enough to walk into, and apparently the couple that lived there, brand new kitchen and everything inside there, and it's in perfect condition. Yeah. So, and I'm hearing that from the neighbours, and it's a lovely area. And I'm saying, look, I mean. Like that, an official told me, look, okay, you have two girls and, you know, two bedrooms is all. And I said, gee, I don't really care, you know. know. Just give me a bloody place. Like, I'd be, I'd be happy once I have a key in the door. And, and look, I'm willing to pay 
you know, as much as what I can afford, PJ, you know? I know, I know. And I mean, yeah. if you have 1,300, 1,200 and half, if you're working a couple of days a week in this job that's on, on, on the table yeah, for you, you could make up, you could make it up, make up a decent rent, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, and be able to pay it, you know, as well. So, uh, I don't know, it's up in the air at the moment, but, you know, I keep my head up and, and you know, and I know, like, you know, the people in here are, are so, they're magical, man. And, and oh, yeah. You know, they keep my head up for me as well, you know. Because um, that must get hard. And I know nights like this, John, yeah. where the nights are getting darker and colder and the mornings yeah. are getting darker and colder and wetter. Yeah. I can't uh, imagine what it must be like to wake up and what's above you is the ceiling of your well, car. I, 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 I'm woken up by trucks, to be honest, at maybe half five, six in the morning. And, and and, and I can actually get over my car, cross the road, hop onto a bus. I'm in the city, and I'm in here for half seven. Yes. You know? And, and, and like, that to me, is, I'm up early every year or the morning anyway, you know? I know, no problem. I know. And, and with that, you know? No, but the point is, like, it can't be It can't be the most... Do you know the way we always like to start our day on a bright note if we can? Uh, yeah. That's no way to start your day, looking out the window of a car. No. And especially, like, I'm kind of lucky in the sense I go to a sports centre to shower I, I'm able to wash my clothes in yeah. Katrina and dry them yes and um, I'm lucky in that sense and you, you know? get a shower you get a shower in the in, are you a member of a place yeah yeah uh, above in uh, Gary Duff Sports Centre you know okay so, um, you know and it's, it's great like go up there and have a shower once or twice a week and you know whenever I want to and um, you know and wash my clothes here but it's not you know it's not that's not, not living John that's not, not living, living. it's existing but, but. Six, I, I, I it's think, six weeks to flipping Christmas. Like, that's not that's, that's living. I mean, I'm thinking of my kids, you know? I know. But I know. It's heart, heartbreaking, man. I know, boy. I know. That this is this is this is just stupid. The only word yeah. I can think of it is stupid. Like, I, this see I, I see it. I mean, I see it inside here. I, I see people, and when you're underground and you see it, and, you know. To be giving out hot meals, seven and a half thousand meals a week, you know, with the volunteers on here or something else like that. And even helping students as well. It's, it's, they're just angels inside here, man. Angels, you know, and I'm, I'm proud to be with them, yeah. you know, yeah. you know. And, uh, yeah, it keeps me. I'm happy. I know, um, and I know. I, is there someone there? I know. I know. This has been a kind of upsetting conversation. Is yeah. there someone there to look after you now for a while once I'm done with you? Is there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the lens are there, yeah, yeah. All right, John. I teach you. I think. I've nothing to say to you except I'm just I'm keep lucky. Stay there, stay yeah, there a second. Stay there, stay, stay there a second, because I think Katrina is actually here now on the other line. Hi, Katrina. Hi, PJ. This is mad. This is mad, utterly it mad. Is. This man living in his car, yeah, and there's empty council houses boarded up all over the place, yeah, and apartments and stuff. And the rental market is kind of almost shut down at the minute. There's hardly nothing that people can afford, and what's out there is overpriced. People just can't reach it, can't make it. Yeah, talk to me about the stuff that's boarded up. Uh, you might have seen that story in the paper in the last while. It's taken several months now to turn places over. That's not good enough. You know, it's not good enough because a lot of people, when they leave their, you know, homes, their council homes, you know, they go on to buy a home and they've left their house in very, very good condition. It's turnkey. 
And why not put a person in there? And if there's anything to be done, do it when they're in there, rather than strip it and, and you know, leave it boarded up for a very, very long time. Yes. So that it can fall into, you know, more decay like, you know, so it just makes sense to start giving these houses out and to, you know, sign a contract or something with the um, tenant like that. The matters that are outstanding or that need attention will be dealt with. I'm sure when a person gets a new home, you know, everybody's excited and they want to do something with it, you know, to to improve it anyway. But a lot of... What I've talked heard about Katrina in other countries but is these a thing, houses a thing are turnkey. A lot of people have left their homes Sorry, in excellent condition. Dropped out there for me for a second. What I've heard about in other countries is that you, you take the house from the council in what's called an as is contract. You take it as it is and you sign to take it as it is. And once it's been deemed safety safe by an inspector, in you go. And it, look, that's all they have to do is deem it safe. And then if there are minor repairs to be done, they can do that when the person is in there. But like, give them out. Just give them to people. We know there are some houses that probably are in bad condition. Well, obviously, you don't give them out. You use your common sense. But there are a lot of houses out there that are in very good condition. You hear people ringing, you know, that, you know, saying like that they've left their home in very good condition. You have other people saying that they know their neighbours are gone and the house is ready for someone to walk into. Do you know, all of these stories have to be listened to and, and they have to be worked on. And... You know, maybe the council need a bigger budget. Let's give it to them. We have a crisis, so let's give it to the to, to the council for to. Um, you there? To get yeah. these, you know, to give these houses out and like let's and have a, you know a, a good power about this, like mm-hmm. and get the houses out there. They have to be. Good. Is it a question that ever enters your mind, Katrina? The people that can't be left in the conditions that they're in anymore. Mental health is massive here in this country, and don't have a country full of. You know, we haven't even a mental health hospital. We have the ordinary A and E, and they're overstretched as it is. A couple of people are are commenting here, Katrina, that you know, with John living in his car and going back there of an evening and you've been great, of great help to him and that doesn't surprise any of us that you are but but like you have the likes of John going to his car of an evening and you then have purpose built units being built for as John says being built for refugees and Ukrainians and yeah, John is sleeping will, in a car and, and, and yeah. again Kate says why are why is John living in his car and Ukrainian refugees who we must help and we're willing to help. Yes, there's, they un- are. there's units be there's units being built for them. But where's John's yeah. unit? Exactly. We're all willing to help everybody. But the government must be willing to help people like John as well. That's the issue here. We can't even get a place for John to spend the night so that he could have a shower. We, we can't even, like, a lot of the property is just taken up. You know, the, the hotels, the B&Bs, they're full, completely full. And or else they're really, you know, priced outside anybody's range. So, like, again, it's very hard for us. We've been looking for John as well. We've been trying to even get him one or two nights places so that we could give him, you know, just a break from going back to the cars, that he could relax, have a shower and, you know, lay in a bed as it is, his bed is in the car 
and he doesn't compl- he doesn't complain. That's you know he's yeah. he's accepted his lot, like, but he's hurt by it. He's he's there. He's there now, uh, Katrina. And, yeah. And John, I know you're. You, this has been a difficult conversation for you, and I thank you for talking to us. What would you, you know, like, I, I, I've been saying for years, like, that they're just not listening to people like Katrina. No. 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 And, and even, PJ, I yeah. just said that the other day, no matter how I try to articulate it, no words are, are getting through to anybody. They're not impacting on anybody at all that has the power or the authority to change things. So sometimes I feel very disillusioned, mm. especially of late, since our numbers have increased, since we're seeing more people come to us. You know, we have the working poor, we have the shops closing down. And you know how we know a lot of this people that are, about the people that are closing down, they ring us to tell us they have, you know, X amount of stuff, like, and do we want it, like, you know, and uh, they'd rather we get it, you know, and even even in their misery, they're thinking of others, like, you know, know. so you have good good people all the time being hurt by the system, and, and that can't continue, just cannot. Yeah, a system that's supposed to protect them is actually hurting them. Exactly. Like the government is the guardians, they're the guardians of the country. Yeah. And, and you know, and they should, they should be um, looking out for. Do you know? Everybody in this country deserves to have a roof over their head. Mm-hmm. Everybody in this country deserves to have food in their belly, and that's worldwide. That's the way it should be, and a government must strive to provide all those things, and to help people get those things and, and, and not, not be, you know, like our numbers are grown for daily, they're grown on a yeah. daily basis and we're getting horror stories from people that are just scared and do you know, like you'd say, is it a lot of scaremongering? It isn't, people are hurt, simple as we're trying to get the message out there that this is real people, we're real suffering yeah. and something has to be done John does deserve a home as does everybody else here you know, every and everybody and, and, needs and by to a be, home, you know, like we're know. not we're we're not talking. No one is looking for palaces, John. You want a no, bed, no, no a mentions. kitchen, and a toilet. That's it, isn't it? That's yeah, it. yeah, a key, a key. <laughs> well, yeah, a key. yeah. I mean, and also a chance to see. You know, I, I as I said, I have young girls, and I, I don't want them to know that I'm sleeping in a camp. When did you see them last, John? In the way. Yeah, okay. I, I, I can't go to that. That's all right. Heartbreaking, you know. Yeah. I just can't, I can't see them. Yeah. And what's what's even what's even more heartbreaking is that there are so many people in the in this situation that when they would have had a home before the landlord sold on and stuff like that, they would have been able to bring their kids to the home. Whereas no, they can't take the kids because the kids would say, you know, can we go back to daddy's place or something like that? Yes. And daddy doesn't have a place. Our mammy mightn't have a place. You know, we see mothers every day, like, and they're just broken, broken. And fathers are broken. And you have elderly people coming down and they're broken, scared of what the, the winter holds for them. You know, and, and we shouldn't have a country where, where people are scared. We should have a country where people... Can, everybody will work together here. You've noticed that the, the amount of charities that are there and the amount of goodwill that's there. Everybody is working together, but the government is not working with everybody. Well, so there, this there's is where the we thing, have to say, the thing, work Katrina. for them. I, I, yeah, I, work I, for them and work with them. I was walking in a week or two ago and 
as I came up Patrick Street at maybe 10 or 5 past 7. There was three or four fellas in doorways. And I was listening to the news on my radio as I was coming up. And they were talking about a cabinet meeting the previous night, or half the cabinet met, to discuss the fact that some Ukrainians had to sleep at the airport. And they called half a cabinet meeting for that. For that. Where was the cabinet meeting for John? Where's John's cabinet? And I'm not... And I I say this... And I write it it on the side of the county hall. Ukrainians, welcome here. Every one of them that needs our help, welcome. Where's John's cabinet meeting, Katrina? Exactly. And you see, the government is creating this divide in the country itself. The government should be for everybody. And everybody that's here will help Ukrainians. You know, nobody has a problem with helping anybody at all, no matter what country they come from. Irish people are really very, very good to everybody. And there's no problem with that. But the problem that people are, are, that's been created is that, as you said, no cabinet meeting for John and people like him. Yeah. And John's inside helping. John's inside with you helping. And John, you said to me, and you even Mm. said it there, there's people worse off than you. You're there helping them. Who's helping you, man, other than Katrina? Like, where's your, do you feel angry about that? Where's your cabinet meeting? Uh, I, I'm not angry, PJ. I, I'm really disappointed that you know um, that on, that the government are not looking our way, as well as you know looking after. I, I mean, they always say charity first of all begins at home. I, I, I was reared that way to respect others and people. You know, to yeah. respect you. And but I'm, I'm kind of dis- disillusioned about it. You know, yeah. I'm you know, but I, I'll just try and keep my head up and be optimistic PJ you know I know That's good man and you know what it'll, it, it, it'll, it'll work out things, things will I have a, I, there's a little motto that I live by and I'll leave you both with it Katrina I think you've heard me say this before and John if you've not heard it before you'll hear it now um, everything will be okay in the end if it's not okay it's not the end That's yeah. true yeah, and we, we'll keep on, you know, to help people through their struggle. Oh, so and I mean, if anybody out there has an apartment to rent that's affordable go. for John. He's got half, you know. He's got enough for a job, you know. Yeah, he has. All right. He, you know, it, it's nearly all there for him except the home. Yeah. All right. Listen, leave it there. Katrina, thank you as always. And John, thank you. And the very, very best of luck to you, mate. The very, very best of luck to you. Uh, hope that before Christmas you can get sorted. That's John and and, and Katrina. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. And I just repeating that. Like I couldn't write them in. I couldn't write it in letters big enough. Any Ukrainian refugee coming in here needing our help should get it. They should get a place to stay. They should get food. They should be allowed to work. They should be allowed to come here and run away from that war, run from Putin's war, by all means, and have cabinet meetings for them, to help them. Where's John's cabinet meeting? Where is John's cabinet meeting? You know? Collis says the government always has a budget for refugees and fair juice to that, but their class is emergency expenditure. What the hell is homeless? Homelessness? Is that not an emergency? Can't the same type of accounting apply there? 250 units being built for the Ukrainians in Cork and are on on the street, says John. Yeah, you see? That's what causes division. That's what causes people to protest. 
0818 The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96FM. The Cork Diary is a free service. So if you're a community group, a not-for-profit organisation, or you have a fundraising event you would like mentioned, let us know and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie. The Cork Diary. With corksimon.ie. No one wants their child to grow up to be homeless on Christmas Day. On Cork's 96 6FM. Martin Leahy came up in conversation yesterday. He's headed for the Doyle again today. I'll talk to him in just a second. But first of all, Kit, you wanted to make a point. Morning. Morning, PJ. Yeah, I was listening to Katrina there speaking about the housing again, the usual that we're listening to for the past 10 years, I'd say more. But it's gone crazy, obviously. And, you know, the more you listen to it and we're on about looking after the the far, the Ukraine. Ukrainians and all that and I'm quite in agreement with that we must but what you can see now what's happening they are the government are the cause they're going to cause us with the Ukrainians and other foreigners coming in to they're pitting us against each other really and that's what's going to happen you know people will get it um, you know I just obviously annoyed that everyone has been looked after except our own and that's a saying that none of us like saying but yes. Because you, mean, you, know, you, you get branded, you get branded a racist, which is wrong. You, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we're all, we, you know, I'm saying since the war, we're all in the war. We're all in the war now. Whether you know they're here, we're looking after them, and rightly so. But because of their situation, we, we are drawn into the war in a sense. Mm-hmm. But you know, we 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 must look after all. And but I'm going. The government will be to blame big time for what's going to happen down the road if this isn't solved. And, you know, um, there is a load of buildings that could be opened up. They're there. They're there. Give them out and let the people, they're willing to go in and do them themselves, leave them do it. Yes, indeed. Anything, anything must be better than lying in a car. Here's here's John. Here's John with with guaranteed HAP of about 12 or 1300 quid a month. An offer of a job. He can't take the job because he doesn't have an address to give revenue. Exactly. All he wants is... As you said, yeah. a key to turn in a place to call open. Blog site. You're, I'm open. I'm, you're, I'm in the city a lot and I look around and I say, why isn't that? Why is that blocked up? Why is that closed up? Open the bloody doors. Now we're in a, an emergency. Yes. And we must be in the emergency for, our, for the Irish as much as for all other nationalities. Do you know? That are coming in looking for help. That's, that's, we that's, must. That's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, do you know? Open. You know, they have to, how, surely to God, John would love to have any, anywhere in Cork just to go open the door and say, I'm here, it's in, it's not, it's not great, it's not present, I'll yeah. do it up, you know, and, and something. To see, and to see his Yes, I mean, you know, it, it must be heartbreaking going home to, as he said, opening a, a car door. Well, Kit's line just disappeared there, lads, uh, just off the top of, all right, Martin. Hey, PJ. How are you, man? You're... I was. I didn't know how long you were going up there. Six months now. Six months last week, yeah. So week twenty-seven this week. I'm heading up at the moment. Yeah. Okay. And you go up and you sing your song and you stand there for a while. Does anybody come talk to you? I've talked to a lot of people. Um, we say kind of in the opposition. Like I suppose nobody from nobody that's in power. But I've I've met a lot of people. Um, you know, great people, Holly Cairns and Richard White Barrett and Ola Bryn and, you know, kind of inspiring, passionate people that are, um, you know, very concerned with the housing. And, yeah, so, um, but, you know, as I say, nobody from 
nobody from anybody in government, you know. Yeah. It, hmm. Is it a bit soul-destroying? No, it's not. It's the opposite. It's is very it? inspiring. It le- Yeah, like when I went up there, the, what brought me up there was a kind of a place of despair and kind of hopelessness. But over the six months, it's been very inspiring and uplifting. Um, there's been a lot of people called by, um, people that are, you know, telling me their stories of being homeless and, you know, at all di- all different, uh, the all the different aspects of homelessness that that are going on at the moment. You know, people will say living with their parents that don't make the numbers of homelessness like, but you know that they, they make up a yes. huge amount of the, yes. the people that are, yes. and you know, a huge effect on mental health and self-esteem and all that. Yes. We, you know, they they're we're kind of uh, naturally um, inclined to think that maybe you've done something wrong yourself if you end up in that situation, you know? That's right. Which is not the case, of course. People blame um, themselves for things that they're not to blame for. Sure, yeah, yeah. So, and and they, like I hadn't been really involved in any kind of protest or activism before this, and I played at the the, you know, the big one up in Dublin, the cost of living and the ones in Cork and stuff. So that has been... Um, I listened to your uh, uh, interview yesterday with Margaret and you were kind of talking about um, a kind of cynicism, um, which is brilliant that you brought it up because I think loads of people have that. You know, you kind of, there's a helplessness. You kind of go like, well, what can I do? And I can totally relate to that because I used to be, I I used to think like that. Mm -hmm. But from, uh, like, there is something you can do. And and that is, like we'll say, next Saturday, the, the protest in Cork, and the cost of living. So, like, it, I suppose the freedoms and the liberties that we, lots of the freedoms and liberties that we enjoy have come about from people um, getting active and yeah. protesting. Um, like, you know, all through the, 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 the gay rights, contraception, the water, which is pretty recent. Um, you know, that had a huge impact. And that yeah. was, that was uh, protesting. Yeah, but for know? people who missed it, this was Margaret who was one of a number yeah, of people who, who was in the board gash office just, just making their presence felt about price rises and the cost of living and she's a long time yeah. advocate for social justice as it were and she was on here with me for the best part of half an hour but I was saying to her that, yeah. just to recap for people like everyone's saying oh we need a big turnout on Saturday and unfortunately you start getting a bit long in the tooth and a bit sort of weary war weary you think right yeah. And I kind of think it doesn't matter if a half the population to Cork turn out Saturday. Nothing will actually happen. And she said to me, that's a dangerous way to think because if we don't turn out, absolutely nothing will happen. But if we do, something might. Yes. I mean, um, the the last cost of living uh, protest at Dublin, I, there was an estimate of 50,000 people there or something. But um, that's that was, you know... it got huge national attention and had an impact. Um, if you're talking about half the population of Cork, like what are you talking about, 60,000 people? The answer is yes, that would have an absolutely massive impact if that did happen. But uh, so, yeah, I mean, all, all the big changes have come around from um, protesting well, and people getting active and the stuff. Ta- the, yeah. the tax marches in the 80s did change things eventually. Martin, thank you. Good luck again. Today, six months now, going up to the Dáil every Thursday to perform his song and make his protest. That's Martin Leahy. 0818 96 96 96. I feel sorry for John, but I feel sorry for the government as well. Look at England, look at Germany.
They've huge homelessness problems as well. What I think everyone should do is a bit of giving. Do your best to help people. If it means walking a guy in off the street to McDonald's to buy him some food, then do that. It gives hope. But then don't underestimate, and this is a good point, don't underestimate how hard this is for the government to fix. The refugee situation will be temporary, but commitments to a home for a homeless person is probably very long term. That's the problem they have. If you feel bad about this, help yourself. It's what Irish people have always done. And that's a solid point, caller, and a very solid point. Yes, the refugees are coming in and must be helped, which is why the government are putting in modular units and they're buying up lots of accommodation for them. They give them everything they can. That will hopefully be temporary. You'd like to think that most of the refugees, when the war is sorted out, when this thing is, they'll, they'll go home or they'll settle and they'll work and they'll become part of our economy and they'll have their own homes and all that. But for John, sleeping in his car while you hold a cabinet meeting because some refugees are sleeping in the airport, that is the bit that people can't get their heads around. I just want to back up, says this call, the lady who said we should learn that Irish needs are just as important as the needs of the Ukrainian refugees. Yep, you see, that's the thing. Let us do whatever we can do whatever we're able to do for the Ukrainians. But let us also have the same sense of urgency and the same sense of importance to John living in his car. Where was his cabinet meeting? That's the bit that is, that's the bit grinds my gears. And I can't wait till the next time I have a cabinet minister talking to me on this programme and I can bring it up. Where was John's cabinet minute, cabinet meeting? When he's sleeping in his car. The Takeover. On Cork's 96 FM. Weeknights from 7 on the Big Drive Home. We give you the chance to take charge of our tunes. Join me, Lorraine, as you decide what songs we fire off. I'm good, yeah, I'm feeling alright. Hold me closer. And it's bigger than me. Can I fight your tongue like a bad Takeover. You pick what we play. See our song list on 96FM Insta Stories with Sophie's Rooftop Restaurant at the Dean Cork. Serving lunch daily over breathtaking views. See sophies.ie. Turn up the music. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, Casey and Ross were telling me that it was utter carnage again this morning, traffic-wise. Uh, traffic, the, yeah, PJ, this is clearly working. Going into town and backed up all the way from Silver Springs. PJ, I work in Ballycarina, finish every day at half four, get home to Glenmire through the tunnel, not before six. Want to be halfway to Dublin by that time. See, an hour, an hour and a half, it's just not good enough. It really is not good enough. And according to this piece I found in the Echo, um, there's a man called, as I said, probably a very nice man, probably a very experienced policeman and all that. Inspector James Hallahan. Don't know the man. If he walked in here and hit me a slap of a wet fish, I wouldn't know who he was. But he is the head of road policing in Cork, is Inspector Hallahan. And according to the Echo, he says, the new traffic flow system is working quite well and has appealed for patience from the public as we come accustomed to the scheme which was introduced three months ago. Last week, Derek O'Keefe, taxi driver, was on the phone to me here explaining why as a taxi driver 
it's an absolute nightmare. Joined now by Bobby Lynch at the Cork Taxi Council. Bobby, um, it is, morning, it's, it's not morning, working, yeah. is it, Bob? Morning. Like anyone can go in town, drive in town, and see that this thing isn't working. Like it's not working since they put it in. No, I can't understand why didn't they put in a temporary thing to see whether it worked before they start putting it in solid concrete on the floors. Uh, like clearly, this thing didn't work. The only way this will work is if every car stays at home. That's the only way it'll work. And the, the, the that superintendent in charge of the roads. Like, I've been talking to the army policeman that's on the street, and they know it's not working, and he tells us that it is working. I never saw the man either. And, like, the thing is, you have McCarthy Street, you have uh, a city link bus parked there for 20 minutes every couple of hours. Yes. I'm blocking up a whole lane of traffic. I, I was caught behind that bus yesterday, <laughs> Bobby. I left here, whatever time it was, lunchtime, and I went down, I was going down to collect my son down in Black Rock. And I yeah. was six or seven minutes trying to get around that bus, trying to get an opening to get around it's that dangerous. bus. It's very dangerous. No, also, also the city planners and management, they're answerable to no one, PJ. P, no, P, PJ. People are late going to hospital appointments that they waited 12 months for. And when they get into a taxi in the railway or the bus station, they're actually panicking, especially the elderly. They're wondering if they don't make it, they'll have to wait another 12 months. No, no one consulted with us or anything. No one did it. They just went ahead and put it in, and that's it. And you know what Derek was saying last week? You know the way the bus now, only the bus can go over um, Christie Ring Bridge turning right, same with Patrick's Bridge. But Derek was saying, Bobby, that that's the first time in his career driving a taxi that the taxi can't go where the bus is able to go. No, no, you're driving the taxi longer than that. Yeah. Is that the first time? No. It, it probably is, but I tell you what, no, the minute that happened, I got onto the NTA, and Wendy Thompson, she's one of the head people up there, she actually sent me an email telling us that we can do it. And it's, it was a minister at the time brought this into law. And it's, I, I have the email, I showed it to Derek, I showed it to all the lads, that we can Tom there. No. So hold it's on, up hold to on. The so un, under the under <clears throat> the, under the NTA's guidelines, you can follow the bus over Christie Ring Bridge, but the council it's say no. The, it's, it's not the NTA guidelines. It's it's from the minister's office. Oh crikey, right. That some 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 minister party saying again. that it, higher up again. Yeah, higher up again. And city council are not telling us that we can't turn. No. Even outside the turning. When they did away with the private cars turning their toe, this this is causing fierce trouble. They should put it back the way it was. Yeah. No, it wasn't. It was like it, the way it was. We always had traffic. No, that after adding to the traffic problem, but doing what they did, have they any brain at all over there? Yeah. yeah. And it's about time they were answerable to someone. And like some of our city councillors will will speak up and we have it, but I'm afraid the rest of them are fast asleep. Well, they, they also have no power it. anymore, Bobby, to, to, to be fair they to them. They never had power. And, and, and the, the lads that we go out to, McNugent and, and the rest of them, they are trying their best. They've no power. And they, they've no power. But I, I, they should I, was have at, power. I was in the council chamber last evening at a most pleasant event, a most lovely civic reception and all that. I was only talking to yeah. some older members of the council. And even back then, when these guys were in the council, I won't name them now, 
but they said we had some little bit of power. But the they fellas know nothing. Have nothing. They have nothing. Well, they, the, the power and the respect was taken away from our city councillors, and uh, this this was caused by city management, no no one else. There you go. Like, where, 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 where did our city manager come from? Yeah. Do you know the background well, of that? I, I wouldn't mind that to you. That would maybe be making it personal. It's more, it's more, a, it's more oh, a general yeah, thing. But, but, but by Peter, people, I have people calling me here in the morning saying it's taking them yeah. an hour to get to it's work. crazy. But it's just 20 minutes. I didn't even go to work this morning. Why? To be stuck in traffic. Yeah. It's just crazy. Yeah. It's absolutely crazy. You, like, I, I can't understand this superintendent telling us uh, this is working. What's it working? It's holding people up. No one can. Like, he's not answering when he's there for work, when he goes to work. Do we yeah. have to clock in or clock out? Yeah. The rest of the people do. Yeah. And Bob, they're worried about their jobs. I know, I know. Bobby, I'll leave it there with you. Thanks a million. Uh, that's Bobby Lynch from Cork Taxi Council. Again, it's a quote from The Echo. Donal O'Keefe had the story. Quoting Inspector James Hallahan, head of roads policing, who said he believes the new traffic flow system is working quite well and he appealed for patience from the public as drivers become accustomed to the scheme which was introduced three months ago. That's in the story, in the echo, uh, written by Donald O'Keefe, quoting Inspector Hallahan. The 10K Toy Giveaway. Fill your Christmas with fun and play. On Cork's 96 FM. Yeah, we have loads and loads and loads and loads of toy shopping sprees worth 500 euro. Going to give them away for free on the 10K Toy Giveaway back for 2022. Filling your Christmas with fun and play. From Monday 14th, listening to us all day long here at Course 96 FM for your chance to text a WhatsApp in and win. It's the 10K Toy Giveaway. Back from Monday on Cork's 96 FM. Is our love for belters only making you feel good? Or has Lewis Capaldi got you thinking, forget him? What I want. Tell us the music you want to hear. And what songs should disappear with the Cork's 96 FM music panel. Take our 10-minute music survey. And you could win a 100-euro penny voucher. Give it a go right now. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. See 96fm.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96fm. It always happens when we take a call like we did with John this morning uh, living in his car and talking about places being boarded up around town. We took a walk along Kylemore Road. Couldn't believe the number of council voids. There's two houses near us owned by the council. They've just been renovated. Can't believe the standards. It's all green this and green that and that's great. But when you have a housing emergency, maybe better just give them out. Yeah, there is that. There was another one here to, uh, to say that on... What road were they saying? Yeah, on Toka Road, there's a lot of empty apartments. Three or four two-bedroom apartments, at least. And at least two of them uh, seem ready, at least from the front, to, to move into them. Um, that's a message for John, living in his car, who has a job offer and 
is entitled to have and still can't find a place to live. 0818 96 96 96. Now, I'm going to talk to Jordan Blunt for a little while about Jordan, about your brother, um, Garrett. How is he at the moment? Morning. Thanks very much for having me on. Um, in this moment, he's kind of, he's very overwhelmed. Um, obviously, we started the GoFundMe page yesterday. Yeah. And he's gotten, you know, a huge, huge, huge response and backing and a lot of support from a lot of different communities. And he was very apprehensive before we started the GoFundMe, as was I, because, you know, it would have been very disappointing if if we did put it out and it didn't reach the goal that we were looking for and something like that. But... I think he's. Uh, I think he's starting to understand, you know, the impact that he's had on the communities that he's been a part of, yeah. and he's starting to see the support from them. There's seventy, nearly seventy-four thousand euro in it already. Now we'll talk a bit about Gareth's struggle. He's no stranger yeah. to a struggle, though, is he, Jordan? Like he came into life struggling in a way. Yeah. So he definitely a unique uh, birth. Uh, a miracle child, so to speak. He um, he was born five months premature, and uh, like his limbs weren't fully formed and everything like that. And he was put in an incubator for a very, very long time, and he was very underdeveloped. So it took some time for him to kind of get going in life. But once he did, he, you know, the expression of being larger than life that fits him down to a T. Because yeah. um, as soon as you know. He did develop and he did grow and mature and his body caught up. He uh, He's just, you know, just one of the most happiest people in the world. He Every room he goes into, every environment he's in, you wouldn't, you couldn't not know that he was there. Yeah. And the doctors at that time told my mother that, you know, he, this is touch and go right here. You, you need to make a decision. And um, when he was born, all of the veins in his body had collapsed apart from one in the top of his head. And that's how they kept him alive. They fed him through that for for a number of t- uh, a number of weeks, and then finally came around and and yeah, he he beat the odds there, and beat them beat them senseless, and went on to become a a hero on the basketball court. Yeah, so my family is a huge huge basketball family. My father um, played, refed, coached all over the country for many many years. You know, I play on the Irish national team. I've been playing professional for a number of years. I've been abroad. And he did the same thing. He played for clubs here in Cork, and then he chanced his arm at going abroad. Um, and he was playing right up until, you know, he got he got sick. Yeah, yeah. A community worker as well. Always yeah, out there doing stuff. Yeah, he's done a bunch of stuff. You know, he's always tried to be someone that got back into the communities that he came from. So... We grew up in Mayfield and in the Glen, and he, as soon as he had the opportunity to, or, you know, the notoriety to, he started running basketball camps and summer camps in these different areas and uh, worked in primary schools and all this type of stuff. Yeah. Now, there was a tragedy with Dad. Um, you were quite young. What, what happened? Yeah, so my father was 56. Um... And he first got diagnosed with cancer when I was eight or nine years old. And, yeah, just just lived through it, you know, battled through it, had touch-and-go moments, very scary moments throughout the years. And um, 
finally came to a head in 2020. It started to spread at a rate that, you know, couldn't be controlled, couldn't be operated. And, you know, he was a he was a tired man at that point. And he was, you know, the definition of a warrior. But um, every man has their final battle. And uh, it was it was definitely tough. He was definitely my best friend as he was Garrett. You know, we definitely had amazingly close relationships with him and Garrett still hi Garrett to this day still hasn't really processed that mm. um and then just a year after he got diagnosed with it so when it when did dad type. when did dad pass away Jordan he passed away in October of 2020 why and sorry to yeah, hear that right when now. when did when did um, when did Jordan get sick then Garrett 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 uh, got sick. Garrett got diagnosed last year in Spain. Okay, tell me about that. Yeah, so it was about a year or so just after my dad had passed and Garrett had accepted a teaching role in Spain. Um, he just loved, he loved coaching. He loved being a part of, of younger kids' development and everything like that. So he took a teaching job in Spain as he wanted to travel. Um, and when he did, he they figured out he had a blood clot. Um, so he got diagnosed with a blood clot here in Ireland and he thought, you know, as everybody did at that time, if anything was happening to them, it was all because of the vaccine. Um, but when he went to Spain and they saw that he was so young with a blood clot, the first thing they checked for was esophageal cancer and it turned out that he had it. Um, Cranky. Which Cranky. was a huge, huge shock and a huge blow coming so soon after my father. And what, he had some treatment in Spain, didn't he? Um, so he had no treatment in Spain at that moment. He, once it kind of came to a head over there, he came back here. Okay. And went through the process here and he got chemotherapy here for a number of weeks and had his surgery here. And then we were told about immunotherapy, but we were told that it was privatized and it wasn't, you know, readily disposable to patients and stuff like that. So... We tried everything for it, um, and he was going to Spain and hopefully getting it done in Spain. And when he went to, he got a scan, and they seen that you know it's it's everywhere. Um, it, within the three months post-op, it had spread all over his upper body. Oh no! Oh god! Oh god! That's terrible! That's terrible! So post-op, the news was even worse than it was pre-op. Yeah. Yeah. So like the. the the, the the troubling parts during the times were so like I was there with Gareth for all the meetings I was his liaison with the doctors everything so I was getting all the information firsthand and when he got the tumor removed in surgery they had removed lymph nodes um, and they had removed twenty five lymph nodes and twelve of them were affected and my whole thing the whole time was well. If you only took out 25 and 12 were there, who's to say that if you took out 40, it couldn't have been 20? Um, and now, like, for us, it's like, yeah, it came back, but to a certain extent, we don't really know if it ever went away. Yeah, yeah. Of course, lymph nodes are an important part of the immune system and, and all of that. So tell me about this treatment now that, that yeah. he's hoping to get. It's, it's a, an immunotherapy-type treatment. Yeah, so that that's the name of it. It's immunotherapy. So the, the the basis of it is that it attacks the cells and regenerates it. You know, the, 
the, the it's in the it's in the name of it, you know. It reboosts your immune system, um, so it attacks the cells, regenerates them, and gives them a better chance to fight them off. And that paired with chemotherapy is is his best uh, best shot. How long would that take? So, well, given off the the response to the GoFundMe, I'm pretty sure his first session is going to be next week. Really? Yeah, because there's a massive yeah. there's a massive response. It's seven thousand euro per dose. Yeah. Wow. Which, yeah, it's it's insane. But like, once something gets defunded by the government and it's being able to be privatized, as we know it. You know, medicine and big pharma. There's not a whole lot that can be done about that. Do you know, what I mean, a bunch of different medicines that are privatized like that and have to be paid for. So we're just so lucky that, you know, we're a part of a community um, within Ireland, the basketball community, of course, but like just in, in Cork itself, mm-hmm. that have been so willing to help. Now, the sad part of this, the really sad part of this, is that his condition is terminal. Um, mm. And really, this treatment will prolong his life. The, the, the chances of it saving his life are, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, it, it's 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 definitely a bleak situation um, with a very very tiny light at the end of the tunnel. But for us, it's the, you, if you give us if you give him one percent, we he'll believe that you know he'll take that one percent and yeah. he'll go past whatever yeah. constraints could, are given. He could get. A year or maybe a little bit more with, with this treatment, if not. Yeah, so, so this treatment, hopefully what it'll do is definitely prolong the three to four, um, get him to close to a year, and if he can beat a year, then, you know, who knows? You know, he's 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 beaten doctors' expectations before, and we're hoping that he can do it again. There you go, there you go. Now, he'd need for, tw- I think the doctors are saying he needs 12 sessions yeah, that would I, cost about eighty four thousand at the moment. Let's can we get the link up there to refresh the the fundraiser to see it in front of me? But as I was coming to air with you, there was just seventy three thousand nine hundred and forty eight euro in that fund. Yeah. It's absolutely insane. Um, in twenty four hours, the the love for your brother is just phenomenal. Yeah, he's. It's, it's, um, ah, lads, listen, 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 listen. Um, John, it's it's gone to seventy five thousand three hundred since we came on the air talking. My goodness, it's gone up by it's gone up by fifteen hundred quid since we came on the air. Yeah, it's it's absolutely insane. Like even for me, you know, I've been a part of you know really big organizations and clubs and everything like this, but I've never felt anything like this. You know what I mean? Because I've never experienced it, and it's it's all new. But just. To know that, like that type of love and support is there for my family and my little brother, it, it means a lot, and it's it's encouraging for him, and it's going to give him more of an incentive to go and fight and do everything that he needs to yeah. do. We, we've shared the link on on our Twitter, so people can can get involved. Thank you, thank um, you very much. And we'll we'll keep tracking it during the morning. Do you know? I guess everyone's kind of got a a bucket list. Does, yeah. does Gareth have one that he's talked to you about? Is there anything he really so, would love to do? What would what would be a what would be if you could give him one great day? What would it be? Yeah. So like I, I had this conversation with him a couple of days ago, and it kind of keeps popping up, and he gets very emotional about it. You know, as as any twenty two year old would. You know, he said to me like, Jordan, I'm twenty two. I want to have kids. I want to have a wife. 
how am I supposed to know what I want to do with one day? Um, so it's tough for him at the moment. He is a massive, massive Liverpool fan, and I know he's uh, he's talked about going there. But beyond that, that's kind of been the only thing, just because he's he's so overwhelmed and kind of just you know confused with the whole situation. Does he want He wants to get to a Liverpool game. Yeah, that I think I think for sure. Yeah, one hundred percent. Well, I tell you what, now not a lot of people know this, um, but Ian Rush, the great Ian Rush, um, Ian's Ian's partner is a very old friend of mine. Okay, I'll reach out. I appreciate. That. I will make no promises, my friend, but I will of reach course. out. Carol, Carol, and I go back a very long way together. Got it, and. I've met Rushy with her a couple of times. And I've had Rushy on this show. So here's what I'll do personally, whatever else can happen, and I'll reach out to Rushy and to Carol. That would be absolutely amazing. And I'll send them I'll send them the tape of this interview. Thank you. And Carol's from Thank Cork. You, Carol's from Cork. So she'll really? know the she she'll know the score. She'll know that she'll she'll know the basketball scene, she'll know it all. Yeah, that's amazing. That'll be so amazing. I will reach. Out, I will reach out to Carol and to Rushy and see what can be done. Thank you. All right, mate. Give him. Give him our best, Jan. I will do, of course. I'm. I'm sure he's probably listening somewhere. Yeah. All right. Okay. And we'll talk to. We'll. We'll, we'll talk to our own Trevor as well, um, presenter of the Premier League Live and Score, and we'll. We'll put something together. We'll make it happen. Great. Thank you. So All right. Much. And that go fund we've shared everywhere. It's gone over 75,000 since we started to talk. We keep it going during the morning, all right? Incredible. Thank you. All right. Give give him our best when, when you're speaking to him. Um, Gareth, Blunt, Jordan Blunt, brother of Gareth Blunt, um, needs 84,000 to maybe get another 12 months to live. They've got already just over 75 in 24 hours. Wow. 0818 96 96 96. It puts a lot in perspective, doesn't it? It really, really, really does. We'll see what we can do with that and uh, we'll, we'll follow up. The fundraiser, the GoFundMe, lads, I opened it up here. So we started when I brought Jordan on the air. It stood at where? It stood at €73,948. It now stands at 76000 768. Put on three grand in the course of our conversation and the few minutes after it. And they need to get him 12 months of treatment, 12 doses of this immunotherapy. They need 84. GoFundMe's been shared on our Twitter and anywhere else. If you want to share it on yourself, do please feel free to do so. 0818 96 96 96. Coming back to homelessness and refugees and all the things that are being conflated together. Gary says, it's pointless talking to any minister on the air. They'll just deflect the question and say they're doing their best. As for the refugees going home in due course, dream on. Why would they when everything is free here? Well, many of them, Gary, and I've spoken to them, all they want to do is get a job and work and move here. Some of them will move here permanently and work here and pay into the tax system here and raise their children here and put their children to school here. They're more than welcome, in my view, Gary, if that's what they want to do. 0818 96 96 96. Staying with um, 
Staying with the homeless situation, Paul sent us a voice message. Here we go. Where is that? There it is. Oh, PJ. Some people are so incensed about Ukrainian refugees getting units being built for them. If one of the people given out as a solicitor or a barrister, why don't they take Sean's case on behalf of him and sue the city council and the government force them to do something for the local homeless in the high court? That's a thought. It's a thought. Thank you, Paul. 0818 96 96 96. PJ Coogan on the opinion line. Silver winner. Silver winner. Best news story at the Imro Radio Awards 2022. Corks 96 FM. We were talking yesterday about addiction to technology and to screens and to phones and to the internet in general. And it kind of comes on the back of a lot of stories in the tech arena lately. One being the takeover of Twitter by Elon Musk and a lot of people leaving Twitter at the moment. I don't know if you've left it yet. I'm still there. I'm still there. A lot of people leaving Twitter, going over to a new thing called Mastodon. Um, Twitter is a cesspit. (laughs) It really is. But Mastodon, I I have an account there now and I'm kind of sitting there lurking and it looks a bit too sweet to be wholesome to me, to be honest with you. Anyway, Besides, someone who used to be really active on Twitter. In fact, we often talked here on the program about, you know, discussions that started and developed on Twitter. Is Suzanne. I haven't seen you there for a while, Suzanne. Morning. Morning, PJ. How are you? Um, no, PJ. I kind of took a step back from it because it just became, as you said, a cesspit. And it, I just found that I was very negative. And um, I found that I was being negative myself on it. Yeah. When really, I'm I'm not a negative person. Really, I would try my best to be positive, but I just took a step back, and I don't miss it. I have to say, mm-hmm. um, I know. I- say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. One hundred percent online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Still have an account there, but Elon Musk buying, um, taking it over, I would be on the verge of possibly cancelling my account now, you know. Um, And I haven't looked at Mastodon. Um, Now, I don't know. I don't know. I just feel, as I say, it just became very negative. And as you said yourself, a cesspit, really. Mm. There's a lot of fun to be had on it. There is. And And in the good old days, PJ, we had a great time on us. We did. We did. But I think it just became then really just rant after rant after rant, really. And people just got very aggressive with each other on us. Do do you find Um, that there's there's a mob on it, Suzanne? And there's a certain... Yeah. There's almost like Twitter has decided that this is what we must think. And should we even dare to criticise that? The whole of Twitter will pile on you like like an anthill. I think so, really, PJ. I think so. I think I read, was it late last night? I just saw something about the Gen, Gen Z. Who was it? Oh, yeah. It's um, it's a journalist in England. And I think it was on the mail or something online. It was actually, I can't remember her name now. And she was saying she has four Generation Z children um, between 1997 and 2012. Apparently, that is when they fit, you know, their age profile. But she found she finds that you cannot say anything or you'll be attacked. And that's basically the way Twitter was. Twitter became um, if you didn't fit the profile, you were out. And I suppose that's what led to the cancellation of so many people as well, who maybe would have in our day would have been considered to be moderate and Mm. just maybe, you know, I I mean, you should be able to express an opinion without it being taken as being something aggressive or likewise be able to express it in a non-aggressive fashion. I read an article one night that somebody was posting and I was talking to the wife about it, you know, and I said there was at least, I mean, as a journalist who'd covered an article on a similar subject, I won't go into it. I found at least four glaring factual inaccuracies in this article. I I just said, I was saying to the missus, this is wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, and that's wrong. And she said to me, don't you dare start pointing that out. Because you're the yeah, bad guy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's exactly what would happen. And the, you know, then you, you, when you find that you're actually, oh, I suppose, policing yourself for fear oh. of being attacked. Oh, yeah. Um, you just say, you know, where's the pleasure in that? Because like you're, you're a moderate PJ. You're not, you know, you're not somebody. You're not an aggressive person. And you would have just been pointing out that you know there were inaccuracies and you would have been doing it in a you know I'm quite factual sure not aggressive fashion a yeah way. A factual way exactly but Jesus you'd have been murdered PJ <laughs> it's true. absolutely murdered it's true you, you know did you go over uh, to Instagram as well 
I have. I've, well, I mean, I'm not post. I don't post an awful lot on it because I suppose I'm just I'm I'm wary. But um, I I'm enjoying it a little bit now. I am. There are a few people now. The one thing about Instagram is is that I am finding is that that now is becoming very much like a shop window. Yeah. And um, that as well as that, it's. Like I'd, I'd follow people that I'd be told, you know, oh, follow this, whatever, this person, whatever, she's very good or whatever. And I might follow for a while and then I just go, oh, Christ, I can't cope with that ego. Like they're all influencers or they, they're all they're, like, I'm just going, it's flooded with these people yeah. that are trying to, you know, be it their moment of fame yeah. or they're trying to sell something. And good luck to them. Like there's, but some it's just fa- some, some DIY there's a guy on it. I don't know who brilliant. is tool tips. He's brilliant, but for every, for yeah, every tooltips guy, there's a half a dozen lunatics. Exactly, exactly. And I love looking at the the interiors and the houses and all that kind of thing. I love that. Mm. And linking up to the YouTubes of them then from it, um, it's, you know, become, you know, I, I do, I, I find that's good. Actually, from Instagram, probably for the first time in my life, um, now my mother would have been a good sewer. I bought a sewing machine about a month ago, and I'm gone mad on sewing, and that's taken over from Twitter. And my husband is saying to me, "Jesus, all we need now is the cash," because I'm gone. I'm mad into drinking tea as well. Oh, he said, "No, you're not getting a cash. We've the two dogs." You don't want to be. You, you don't want to be the tea drinking cat <laughs> yeah. lady, like. But exactly, exactly, because Twitter. You know, when I'm not on Twitter, and this is the the new whatever, but um, it's. Yeah, I do. I think that social media generally, I think, has become just quite toxic, really. Um, Yeah, it has. What about Facebook? We haven't mentioned Facebook. That's where we all started out, I suppose. Mm, Facebook. um, Facebook is great if I want to catch up with college friends or with school friends or things like that. But again, I'm not posting at the moment, really. Um, In fact, my Instagram is linked to it and I must unlink it because if I ever do post something on Instagram, it seems to get posted on Facebook. So I'm sure that's just a simple thing to figure out. But anyway. Yeah. yeah, but um, yeah, I'd check in, you know, um, on Facebook. But I don't know. I think I'm. I think for the last few months, I've just taken a step back mm. and a reassessment of it without consciously doing it. And but do you I have miss it. it? Do you do you miss not being as active as you were? Because you were active. You were very active. Mm, yeah, I do. I I suppose. Um, I do a little bit, but I think I'd become quite tired of the, it had been building for a while, I'd become quite tired of, oh, the intensity of the, you know, of the aggression, of the whatever. So, no, I don't really. Um, Now, I'll probably take a poke around now after speaking to you this morning and I'll probably post something later. You'll probably see some fierce, nasty Um, things now put up to me. (laughs) Yeah, no, never. I'll have arthritis in the the blocking finger again. Never. (laughs) But if it, if it could go back to the good old days like where we used to have a bit of a laugh on us as well PJ and it was very supportive back in the old days Um, you know you'd always be wishing the best to somebody you know or they'd always be wishing it to you Um, that's all gone I think a lot of people who were on it in the old days with us have stepped back I'm I'm sure I'm not the only one you've noticed no no there's been quite 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 a number Suzanne leave it there always good to chat with you thanks very much on Instagram or anywhere or Twitter or anywhere else Suzanne Brett but she was she was really really active 
on Twitter. Have you stepped back? Have you moved over to Mastodon? Have you left? Is, is Twitter old hat at this stage? Because there are those who believe Twitter is just old hat and just mad. Uh, just a mad place. And, you know, really what, what Twitter says isn't what the real world says at all. That you got to take that into account. But this idea that Twitter will decide how you feel about something. Uh, no, that's not for me. 0818969696. Stay with the tech and media and social media. Morris wanted to say something about social media addiction, which came up yesterday. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with the latest on Cork's entertainment. Wallace Bird has been enrapturing audiences for over a decade, playing over a thousand shows in that time, and she's also won multiple international awards, including two Irish meteors, and received a nomination for the Choice Music Prize. You can catch her when she comes to Cypress Avenue this Friday night. Access all areas. Whoa Mama brings you stomping hits with sensational sass and ferocious fun, channeling the greatest divas and dudes from the 70s right through to the present day. Whoa Mama comes to Collins this Saturday night and is a free show. Access all areas. If you have a gig show or exhibition coming up in Cork in the coming weeks, drop us a line here at Access All Areas. You can reach us on AAA at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork. 96 FM. Morris, you often contact us about lots of different kinds of addiction with with your views on them. You reckon that social media and tech addiction is a bigger problem than we think. Morning. Yeah, um, what we what we seem to be avoiding, I think, um, regarding tech addiction, and it's a very very important point, is road safety okay. and the impact of uh, of of tech addiction. And we can all see people driving around with mobile phones, uh, texting while driving. And um, I, I think it's a, it's, it's lethal. Um, we're at the low end of the scale too regarding a penal sanction when it comes to mobile phones. Now, now over the last two weeks, they've increased it from 80 to 120. But we still have to go a lot further with the law. The UK law kind of covers mobile phones, sat-navs, tablets and any device. Mm. Um, I think our law has to do, do a little bit of catching up there. Uh, I don't think it's as, it's as comprehensive as it should be. And as I say, 120 euros is not going to really deter anybody. The, 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 well, there's, there's points as well. I think it's, there's three or four points as well. We're still at the low end of the scale on a country-by-country basis around the world. Uh, Norway come down on top of them with a ton of bricks, 716 euro. Uh, they, they come down on top of them. Australia's $362. America then has kind of got a graduated scale like on the tower defence. They take them off the road for two years. Um, but the, the UK is, I think we should look, look at the UK like it's 200 euros, 200 pounds, and they cover every type of device. It's a very serious issue. What about uh, points though, Morris? I think in the UK it's six points per offence. That's right there, and they, 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 ramp up, they ramp up the points as well. They take it a lot more seriously because it is killing people, and we have to break the ice on this, PJ. We have to say that, that, that people using a mobile phone, it's just as dangerous as having a drunk driver on the road. In fact, I've actually seen some of them actually you know, using their Android device to, to watch television or watch their soap as they go home, for God's sake. Yeah. I mean, what hope do we have? It's extremely dangerous, yeah. and... The Irish government have to do do a well, lot more to sort this problem I, out. My phone is my sat nav a lot of the time, and, you, and because the, the, it, it hatches into the car radio by Bluetooth and all of that. I mean, that's a legitimate use of it, but at the same time, it's on a stand and I don't pick it up. Yeah, 
Um, d- d- yeah, that's fine, but you're talking about reaction times as well. The, 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 the RSA and are looking at the issue of reaction time. I mean, can people really react if they're even slightly distracted by a media device or by countless messages coming in the door? Can they really, really react uh, mm. to what's going on? And it's, it, there's no doubt about it. I, so I mean, so we, would, you, would you be thinking, Morris, of maybe taking away the stand... Take and, and maybe even put on the phone in the glove compartment when you're in the car. Like, forget it. Would you be opposed to that kind of thing? I, I, I honestly, I would. I, when my, when my wife, I, I just put it into the, the glove compartment. I don't answer the phone. I, I concentrate on my driving because one, one, one type of distraction, one, one slip, and you're over to the other side of the road, and, and you're in a head-on collision, yeah. and, and, and you're dead, like essentially, and that, that's what's going on. Would you, put some, would, would, you, would you put somebody off the road for making a phone call while they're driving? If you could, if if they, if they were using a mobile phone, yes, I would. Yeah, yes, of course I would. Because they, they, how can they drive the car if, if they've got one hand on the wheel? If they've got one hand on the wheel, one hand on the mobile phone, I've seen people trying to turn around the corner. You you can't actually turn turn a corner. I, I saw, saw one girl less than know, and she was trying to turn a, a ninety degree corner with one hand on the wheel. She had the, the other the mobile phone down yeah. between her legs, and she was she was texting. Uh, the car was running out of gear because you know the, the gear you know she had to change down. But, to change down the gear, the, the, the engine was stuttering. So the car nearly came to a stop by the time she got her own yeah. and she finished up her little text and then she put it back into gear. It, it, it's becoming a huge problem. I mean, yeah. the, the Irish government need to need to take this whole issue of, of, of uh, device addiction or tech addiction uh, very, very seriously yeah. because it is killing people. It's killing people on the roads. Yeah. It's a conversation worth having. I know, Morris, there was something you wanted to tell me about the NCT. You got a message, all these late... Appointments. If you're trying to book an NCT today, like it'll be April at least before you'll get an appointment, you got some communication from them. Indeed, this is another issue to do with road safety. Now, obviously, the NCT is crucial to road safety. You know, ball tires and what have you, and all kinds of other things that you know a mechanic might miss. You know, and they're doing diagnostics now and everything in the NCT. Um, they pointed out three problems. There's a six-month backlog with the NCT at the moment, and they point out that that staff absenteeism, no shows by people booking appointments, and late cancellations are now the cause of uh, of the NCT backlogs. Now, of course, it's going to make our roads even more unsafe as well, like this, this business of leaving a car go way beyond its, its, its testing date. Uh, mm. again, again, you've got the Irish government, again, not taking things Yeah, seriously. but the truth is, Boris, in terms of people, to, in, in defence of people leaving the date go by, like if I, this is November, if I have a car due for NCT, shall we say, in January, and I quite responsibly start looking for an appointment, now, I can whistle Dixie for January. It'll be April. Yeah, it will. I, I did point out to them that our, that our infrastructure is totally inadequate and we do need more NCT centres, but that's up to Eamon Ryan. But of course, Eamon Ryan doesn't want cars on the road. If he had his way, everybody would be riding around in bicycles. <laughs> no, I, I, you know, that's, 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 he, he, there's that and there's that. Yeah, but you say, you say that no shows and late cancellations, according to this letter that you've had, which I think you're, you're willing to show us, is yeah. that that's, that's part of the problem, no shows and late cancellations. Yeah, and I, I've, heard, I've heard from no, no show, and they, they're talking about staff absenteeism too, and you know, and this overhang from, you know, they didn't come back. Um, but from, from what, I can, what I can see, like, the infrastructure that we've got, we've got a lot of cars, extra cars on the road, and obviously when you've got more cars on the road, you've got a bigger volume on the road. They do need a few extra NCT centres. 
But if they really are serious about road safety, if they're really, really serious about road safety, uh, sort the problem out with mobile phones, sort this problem out with NCTs as well, and let's make our road safer. So we can walk down the road without some fella going into the back of us or, you know, if it's ball tires won't stop. You know, yeah. that's what they need to go. 116 people, up, up to October this year, 116 people have died on our roads. Yes, yes, yes. And that is up on the same period last year if my calculations are correct. Morris, thank you. 0818 96 96 96 to housing and homelessness. Michael. Hi, PJ. Hi, How's what do you want to say, Michael? Um, maybe just a couple of quick points, uh, PJ, about uh, empty houses. And, and I know you brought her up yourself. Um, and I think we focus too much on privately owned empty houses when we've got more than enough council-owned empty houses. Yes, right. Um, you know, if, if somebody wants to leave their house empty and they bought and paid for it, that's their own business as far as I'm concerned. But the council has empty houses. I mean, if you take in, in Cork alone, um, they've got uh, approximately 500 empty houses lying empty with a, an average turnaround of about 12 months, which yes. is just ridiculous. Now, at the same time, we also have maybe uh, close on 500 uh, homeless people. I think it's about 470 homeless people. Mm. And if you average, say, one and a half uh, people per home, we have an excess of houses. Yes. We actually could home all our Cork homeless people and have an excess and maybe a home some of our Ukrainian visitors. Yeah, this is, um, this is, this is something that's often dismissed as, as pie in the sky when you, when you say it, Michael, but it's actually, it's, it's, it's true. There are enough empty houses, boarded up more houses, than enough. More yeah. than enough to house everybody. You're right. Yeah, and, you know, I give credit to, to uh, Cork City Council. They are building a lot of houses at the moment, yeah. so in conjunction with charities like Cluid, they should stop building those. Oh. Just stop for a while, because they say they have nobody to. I mean, they'll come up with the excuse: there's no no builders available. Well, they're they are they're just building houses from scratch. Mm. It would be faster to uh, build the houses, or sorry, renovate the houses that are already there when they're all done. Then mm. carry on building the the other houses. Now we also have um, a, a prison in Cork with maybe three hundred inmates, most of which are not bad people. They just, you know, made bad choices in life. Yes. Um, it might be a novel idea maybe to get some of those guys out. Give all those guys a purpose to get up every morning in, instead of spending so 22 that, hours that's, that's inside not, in the cell. That's not the worst idea I've ever heard. But you know the one that really grinds my gears, Michael? And no one has mm. ever been able to answer this question to me. So let us imagine I'm in a council house and I'm moving. Okay, I've, bought, yeah. I, I, I've got my mortgage buying a house. I leave my council house in pristine condition and I handed my keys on a Friday. That house yeah. is in pristine condition. You're next on the list. Why must you wait months to get my house? Because what? the council has to send in an engineer and the engineer has to see if the previous residents so see, did you do any work yourself personally or got the, a carpenter to fit a kitchen? If that wasn't a council fitted kitchen, they must then rip that a lovely kitchen out. Which is utter and, then, and complete oh, nonsense. Bonkers. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, uh, PJ, I mean, like, because uh, I've had discussions online with, with councillors about this and they'll say, well, it's not as simple as that. And to be honest, that's just them saying they're doing their best. No, you see, this, this it's not as simple as that, Michael. And I, I put, I have, uh, I happen to have a friend who's an internationally qualified health and safety inspector. 
and is qualified to look at every element of a house. So I move out of my house today and I hand back the keys. My friend is quali- international qualifications to inspect my house yeah. from top to bottom on Saturday and declare it safe to rent. Why don't they do that? Of course. Of course, because it's, in my opinion, it's incompetence. You know, I mean, we can take their word for it that they do care and they are doing their best. And that's fair enough. But your best isn't solving the problem. So maybe step aside and let somebody who can do it, do it. This is what would happen in, in the private industry. If I'm not doing my job to the best of my ability, I will be told, step aside, we need somebody else to do it. Yeah, it, it should happen as well. Yeah. There's targets. The money is there, PJ. That's They've right. been allocated the money. The money is there. The houses are there. And they're still failing in their duty. Yes, and this idea, and they are still, and I may, I'm open to correction this, and any member of council who can show me that they're not doing it, I'd be happy to listen to them. They're still ripping out kitchens, they're still ripping out bathrooms, instead of having someone come in and certify, yep, that bathroom was well installed, that kitchen was well installed, rent out your house. They're still pulling them out and they're still causing... Instead of reusing, (laughs) recycling, upstyling, up whatever they want to call it, and and get people like all those good guys that made bad decisions inside in prison... Uh, a reason to get up every morning, do something positive for society. That's a great and, point. And also, also give them a home as well, because a lot of those guys are homeless. That's a great point, Michael. Thank you very much. 0818969696. You want to join that conversation, Michael's idea? They are still doing this. As far as I'm con- I-, I know, as far as I can, they're still doing it. So if you put, if you put a new kitchen into your council house, they'll rip it out. Why? Just, just, Get it certified that it's safe. What's the point of all that nonsense? Yeah, the GoFundMe, lads, 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 the GoFundMe for Gareth has gone from, when we came on air, it was just over 73-something. There's now €78,539 in that GoFundMe. Cork loves the arts. We do too. That's why we bring you the Arts House. Every Sunday on Cork's 96FM. Hi, it's Elmarie. Join myself and Connor every Sunday morning to find out what's happening in the arts all over Cork. There's so much happening. Fantastic festivals with great events for all ages. And we'll tell you all about them. The Arts House. Sunday mornings, 8 to 10. With Griffin's Potatoes. Planted, picked and produced in Cork. Griffin's Potatoes. The great taste of home. Cork. 96 FM. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96 FM. They're describing the weather as unseasonably mild. And it is unseasonably mild. Mind you, we've been here before. This isn't new. Back in, I think it's 2017. I could be wrong on the exact year. I have a picture somewhere in my... You know the way all your phone photographs now go into a library in the cloud. I have a picture taken on December the 20th of daffodils sprouting out on the South Link Road. So, you know... The climate and the temperatures are changing. 
That's 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 a given. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Quick voice message. I mean, really quick voice message from Craig on the NCT. PJ, if you phone the NCT, you'll get an appointment for an NCT within a couple of weeks. You will, Craig. Good man, you will. Of course, you will. But you shouldn't have to. You should be able to go on the website and get an appointment as promptly as you would on the phone. But that's a very, very good point. PJ, if you phone the NCT, you'll get an appointment for an NCT within a couple of weeks. All right, thank you for that, Craig. And that's a great way to get a quick point across. Join our conversation. If you can't take a call or don't have time to type a big, long message, just pop us a voice message on 083 396 96 through WhatsApp. The best way to get us when we're off the air is opinion at 96fm.ie by email because we check that quite frequently so if you're listening to a podcast if you listen to our full show podcast which goes up in the afternoons or any one of maybe the anything between 25 and 30 podcasts that we do a week from the show and you want to bring something up with it or respond to something here in a podcast or respond to something here in our overnight repeat of the show or opinion at 96fm.ie is the best way to do that come here till I tell you Sheila O'Regan uh, we mentioned her yesterday. She had a big uh, double roundy birthday. and she, uh, Her 100th birthday. My goodness, if ever a woman knew how to celebrate in style. She got a birthday card and a check from the president. She got a personal video message from her political hero, Bertie Ahern. There was a marquee in the garden, family and friends. You name it, they were there. Some lovely pictures, actually, and some lovely, some lovely television coverage. Paul Byrne from Virgin Media uh, caught up with her yesterday. Happy birthday to you. Born November 9th, 1922, and today Sheila woke up feeling fit and well at the ripe old age of 100. Grand. I'm sure able to move around and eat the boys and all I want is a good fire and a good old bit of loin. The centenarian says an alcohol and tobacco-free life is the secret to longevity. What did you get in the post yesterday? Tell me a little bit about it. I got to check from the small man. <laughs> a small check. Sadly, Sheila's husband died at a young age. But her seven children, 24 grandchildren and 32 great-grandchildren are never too far away. I was happy. I had seven children. I had them all open. Give them what I could. That's the only way. At one stage, a 14-year-old Sheila, who now lives in Ballyphillip White's Cross in Cork, remembers working as a housekeeper and earning just 16 shillings a week. You know, it was tough, but it was happy. Different daughters than what to do. They're not happy with anything, no. No matter what they get. Sheila has always had an interest in politics, as well as a secret crush on former Taoiseach Bertie Ahern. There's something in him that you'd, you'd like to have no cuddle of him. <laughs> As a surprise, Bertie Ahern sent Sheila a personalised birthday greeting. Uh, a, a wonderful, wonderful achievement. So on White's Cross today, have a, a really, really good birthday party and I hope with all your family around you that you enjoyed the day. And uh, My advice to you would be, since you gave up the drink for 100 years, don't start celebrating with the alcohol now. Have a great day. Happy birthday. A speechless Sheila said the greeting was the icing on the cake. Paul Byrne, Virgin Media News, Cork. Cheers, Paul. <laughs> she got a check from the small man. I think that's the best 
that's just the best. A check from the small man. I mean, we don't need to be told who that is. Like, do we? Karen is Sheila's granddaughter. How is she? She's a great day. Morning. Hi, hi, hi. How are you, PJ? How are you? Good. Yeah, he, she did. She had a wonderful day. And, you know, as tiring as it was, probably at the end of the day for her, I think that it was just a day and a, day and a half for her. She just absolutely loved it. You're, you're, you're her granddaughter. She's a bit of a legend. She absolutely is. There's no words for her. Um, oh, she's just amazing in every way. And you, I suppose yesterday was a testament to her, the amount of people that that came to, to visit her and to wish her well. Um, as you know, she never drank or smoke. She's 100. She's a kind word to say about everyone. She's a crack. She'll tell you what she thinks of you as well, you know. <laughs> but... Um, you know, there was always a biscuit tin. She, you know, she lived off the land. She would say to her, you herself that she lived a humble life. She was a hard worker. Mm. And one thing that uh, Paul Byrne asked her yesterday, he said, what was the secret to longevity? And she replied and she said, hard work and starvation. <laughs> starvation? <laughs> starvation in the sense like, you know, she went out working, as, as you know, at a very young age. And they'd come home, and they were starved, and they ate their dinner, and that was it. Yeah, you ate what you got. You ate what you got, and, and that she, was it. And she never drank or smoked? Never drank or smoked. She'd often hold a glass of sherry in her hand for, for, for photographs, but that was it. She never did. She never frequented pubs. She has walked every road in Ballyphillip and White's Cross and never owned a pair of runners. Could you believe that? <laughs> Don't walking tell me she, was, she walked them in the good shoes. The good shoes? The one pair of shoes? She, like... She, walking was one of her hobbies and walking and speaking to the neighbours and picking daffodils. She loved flowers as well. And um, she never she never owned a pair of runners. Crikey, crikey. And is, how, how, how is she on the pins at 100? Is she able to get around? She's grand. She's a walking aid. She has a walking aid. And she would, there was an album done recently for her for, for you know, capturing every moment of her life in, in photographs. And by God, she can remember every single person. Yeah. She, was, she has a memory. Oh, she's un- incredible. She was she's born inc- on the day the first guards came to Cork. Are you serious? Yes. The first, <laughs> really? the, the first, tell her that now for me. The first guards came to Cork on the 9th of November, 1922. What? So while they were getting off a boat, because they came by boat, while they she were getting coming off, into the world? she was coming into the world while they were getting off a boat. That's right. She was born out in Fernandes. Um, for a couple of years, lived there for a couple of years before she moved to Ballyphillip when she was four, and she's been there since she's in Ballyphillip since 1926. Crikey, there wasn't much up in Ballyphillip in 1926. There wasn't, there wasn't. There wasn't a whole pile there now, but there wasn't. No, I know, but like there wasn't, there was just literally the local farmers, the Kellehers, really, and that family. Billy's family. Pardon? Billy's family. Billy's family, yeah. She actually worked for Billy's, um, and her husband would have worked for Billy's uncle, which would have been John and Cathy Kelleher. Right. They would have been other farmers down at the other side, and she was great. Oh, my God, she has nothing but kindness to say about the Kelleher family, but in particular yeah. Cathy Kelleher and John Kelleher, because they would have been very, very kind to her family, you know, yeah. um, over the years. Yeah. And her, her, her late husband worked for them. And they worked for lots of farmers in the areas, and she was a housekeeper for lots of families down around um, the Murray area and down in uh, Crawford Woods, where it would be now strict lands. And she had fierce memories. And like she was out working as housekeeping, and she used to till 
turnips and oh she's incredible stories and it's there's longevity in our family as well like her mother and father were only 94 and 93 when they passed and her brothers she's had brothers and sisters into their 90s as well crikey come here did she ever actually meet Bertie she never met Bertie but she's a fi- she loved Fianna Fáil and I tell you back I was talking to her about this recently and I said to her Bertie must have given you a big rise in the widow's pension sometime <laughs> in the 90s I do love her he did not he did not yeah, you know no, Bert, I think Bertie's mum was from Cork was she? From, Bertie had connections to Traction Tracton and, really? and I, I, he played hurling for Tracton actually and I, I think I think his mum was from Tracton I don't if I remember rightly, yeah. I don't know. I see. I, I wouldn't know anything much about him, only what she would talk about him. But yeah, she did. She, she was an admirer, all right. She loved, you, you know, it was always, the budget was a big thing for her. Right. She loved the budget, you right. know, getting the budget and whatever. And as you heard her yesterday about the small man getting what the text. Funniest <laughs> thing I had. Oh, for God's <laughs> sake. That's the way she is. And, like. you, and you know what? I'd say that they'd have watched the news out in the Auris from himself and Sabina <laughs> and he'd have thrown his head back and laughed at that. He would have. And that's where, because five or six weeks ago we were getting... You know, five weeks now, Shield, for the party. Five mm. weeks now. I don't think I'll make it, you know. Go away. And I, I said to Paul Byrne, yes, to go and we'll see you for 105 because she, you see her in the photographs. She's as fresh as the oh, day, she is, like. Yeah. As fresh as the day. But you know, yesterday I was very proud and it was just lovely to see all the people and all her. She's six daughters and the grandchildren and the great grandchildren and little Molly there would be her great grandchild on the front of the Echo and the That's Times right. today. Lovely picture. And just to see that, but it actually. We were talking about her house, you know, the front room was small. You would have seen the little two-seater or whatever. It was like Santa yesterday. People were queuing up to come in and see her and come back out and get a bit of tea outside, you know, and and a cake and stuff like that. And she just, I, I think she was overwhelmed by it. She loved the photographers. There was two or three photographers there. Mm, there was mm. Paul Byrne. And she just embraced the whole day of it. Paul's an old charmer anyway, like it. He <laughs> is an old charmer. No, he was. He was excellent. And people, and, and there was actually just one lady that I would have to say there was a lady that made a cake for us in Glamour. Her name was Isabella. She was Polish and she was, uh, the company was called The Funky Architect, I think. She's, She's been on the show with me. She's brilliant. I see. Okay. Yeah. So Isabella, anyway, she made the cake and she was all about it. It was her first hundred cake that she was making. But when she came on the day to deliver it, because we were meant to collect it, but Paul was coming earlier and she dropped it up. And when she came in, her little boy was there and he was, like, his mouth was open, <laughs> looking at her, because he's like 100 pounds, he had bouquet of flowers for her. Oh my God, 100. He was going to be do- bringing in the picture to show, for show and tell in school. Hmm. And I was saying, it is a big thing for small children as well, and oh. for the grandchildren. And it was a, it was a fantastic day. Good, good. Well, you know what? Give her, give her our Is best. It? I know, I know, I know. The, the 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 hearing isn't the best with her. I'd love to have had her live on the air, but the hearing isn't the best it, with it her. It does that she does have hearing days, and no, sometimes please. they would interfere. No, if you wanted to come out and interview her, PJ, no bother. <laughs> she'd sit down and she'd talk to you well for an hour or so. But. Um, Look, thanks for all the well wishes and thanks to you all. Give You're her fantastic. my best. It's a marvellous achievement. The double roundy, the, the 100th birthday of, uh, of Sheila. Uh, Sh- Sheila O'Regan celebrated yesterday in style with a marquee and tea and cake and a personal video message from Bertie and a check from the small man. That's the best I've heard ever. She had a check from the small man. 
two grand minute. Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day. Answer 10 questions to claim all that cash. Stacking up the cash. Cash! Cash! The two grand minute with the Pavilion Christmas Store. Discover the latest Christmas styling trends and delightful dining. The Pavilion for Christmas. Just minutes from Cork Airport. Casey and Ross in the morning. On Cork's 96FM. Having worked in the clubs and the pubs and the entertainment game across Cork and Munster for as long as myself and Fergal have uh, over the years here, you'd have come across a number of women working in security. Not a huge number. It's about 9% these days and there's many very different kinds of security work. Uh, but the, the industry is looking for more women. Um, Amanda White, you, you work in security. I'll come to you first. You you work in security with the company Tekken, which we know well. How long have you been been in the job? Good morning. Good morning. Hi, PJ. How are you? Um, I've been working in security for about 15 years now. Right. So I started um, Christmas Day for CIT, for the outpost. I was asked, um, they were stuck for a female. Would I do it? I said, I'd chance it. Yeah. And I loved it. This was the Christmas Day event that they have in November for the CIT. God, that's that yeah. that was a baptism of fire. Yes, yeah. busy one. I was thrown. I was thrown into the deep end. <laughs> so yeah, no, and I loved it, and I kept doing it, and I've been doing it since. Yeah, it's it's fun, I guess, and most people are nice. That's it. Well, the, I kind of moved away from the door supervisor to the event side of it. So I find the event side of it more the fun, uh, more social aspect of it. Mm. What kind of events would you work now? What did you work this year, for example? Oh, um, we had Electric Picnic with Musgrave Park, Croke Park Eggs, Ed Sheeran, Garth Brooks, um, Indie Festival. Mm. We kind of covered a bit of everything. You got loads of free gigs, so... <laughs> yes, <laughs> you could say that, yes. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and it's it like is it um you might look at you know the kind of people that you'd meet with a few bevies on board. Some might have looked and said, "Is that really a suitable job for a woman? She wouldn't be long being overpowered." I don't think so, though. No, I think sometimes to have a female when there is times like that where someone has too much drink or someone could be very aggressive. I think sometimes a female is better to deal with a situation than to have a male because they can talk it down. Yes. They're not heavy-handed. Their ego isn't getting in the way. Not all people are like that, don't get me wrong, but it can happen. Um, but women can talk down a situation easier. There's someone I know who worked in security for years, a female who worked in security, for, going back along, and she always said, the absence of testosterone can often cool a situation faster than exactly. the presence of it. Yeah, exactly, I agree. <laughs> Which I thought was a very good way of putting it, yeah. like, you know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Let me bring in at this stage. And would you encourage someone to take it up? Like, oh, I would one hundred percent. Yeah, it's it's all changing. You have to be licensed, and you have to have a badge and all this kind of. Thing. It's not just a case of putting on the uniform anymore. You have to get no. licensed, don't you? There's a new licensing laws after coming in now, the first of November, where everyone has to have a license. Yeah. Let's bring in, stay there for me, Amanda. Shanann O'Mahony uh, is the only uh, female director of the Security Institute of Ireland. Shanann, how long are you working in security? Morning to you. Uh, morning, how are you? I'm in it about 20 years. I'm the only one at the moment. Uh, hopefully we'll get a few more girls into it. Um, you know, like we're the females of the industry and it is great fun. Like I've worked with Amanda. We've, you know, it's, 
it is a social element. There is a lot of things under the security umbrella people aren't really aware of. And obviously, you need a qualification now to get into the industry. So, like, it's gone from the the old style of thinking what security is. You know, there is qualifications and standards that we have to meet. Yeah, yeah. The, the old idea was that you had to be built like a small shed and, and, and basically just stand there and say, no, you're not getting in. But there's a whole lot more of it than that. Oh, it's totally different. Like, I mean, we go through the roles of responsibilities depending on what kind of security you're doing. So obviously there's behavioural standards that you have to go through. And with the way society has changed, you know, we have to become very more PC about things. So like equality and diversity and, mm. you know, discrimination. Like these are laws and legislations that we need to know and we need to be aware of the licensing laws as well as just something that you touched on there that we do need to have PSA licences going forward to work in the security industry. Yeah. Bouncers in Cork used to take, and I, I don't know if it's even a word that people like anymore, but it's a word that people always use. Bouncers, there was a lot of flack taken over the years. You know, bouncers have been accused of being too heavy-handed or deciding you knew you wouldn't know what standards you'd refuse people for you know and and there was a bit of reputation that you, you wouldn't get in in cork has has that changed do you think i think so because like we're all like we obviously if you train for any type of job you're going to you're you're going to be on the same page as your colleagues so there is a certain standard there you know that we have to make sure that the person isn't posing a risk to the premises if they're coming in and if they're intoxicated or if there's, you know, that we have to identify, we're doing the risk assessments to make sure that they're, you know, not a hazard and they're going to be okay to come into the premises and they're not going to cause any trouble or if they're intoxicated that they obviously need to go and get food and sober up before they can actually enter a premises for their own safety. So it's more about the health, safety and welfare of both the customers and the Patriots, like you, you're working in a busy bar, the last thing someone wants is someone inside the counter getting aggressive at them because they've had too much to drink. Yeah, yeah, you get, you know, it, it's, I've, I've long enough in the business of entertainment to know that sometimes it can get a bit scary on the door as well. Have you ever, Amanda, were you ever in a situation where you were scared? There has been um, years ago where I would have been, it would have been a lot rougher, you could say. Um, to work on a door in Cork and somewhere like that. Um, I have plenty of situations where men wouldn't care if you were a man and woman. Yeah. Because yeah. I remember there used to be this thought that, well, look, no matter how drunk or leery someone is, most men, you can safely say, won't raise their hand to a woman, which meant that the woman on the... Come on now, count down a small bit. Exactly, was yeah. less li- She was less likely... To have someone turn on her, yeah, was is that true or not? I think it is. I personally think it is. Ninety nine point nine percent of the time, men would listen to the women and they wouldn't go up against them. You'll always get that zero point one percent that would. Yeah, the other um, thing that used to be said was that when two fellas get into a fight, you break it up easy enough. Two women fighting can be oh. a much different situation. Would like. Is is there a difference? Is there more aggression if 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 a woman turns nasty or if women turn nasty against each other? I I would agree that they can be. It could be worse because men, right? You you're inside in a nightclub. 
you have eight fellas working, you have one female. The eight men are going to be more delicate with the women than if it was two men fighting. Can you, if you can understand I what can. I'm trying to say. So it would be harder to break it up. Yeah. yeah. Whereas a woman can just walk in and, yeah, exactly. Woman on woman kind of thing, you kind of, you know, it, there's, a, there's a certain level. You work, Shanann, on um, a much different scenario now. You're on a security desk for a major company. Different, different yeah. scenario entirely. I, uh, yeah, I do, but obviously, like, I still, because I teach the PSA and I want, you know, I'm doing the training side of things, I do keep myself in and um, I would work in events and doors just to keep up skills because obviously with COVID and different situations, you know, things have changed. We have to kind of, you have to be, you know, willing to upskill all the time. So, like, at the moment, yes, I, I am working in a nice, Nice environments and very little, uh, very little um, aggression. There won't be, you, know, there, there, you won't, anything. there won't be, there won't be too many people rolling up to the door smelling of whiskey, kind of thing. Yeah, no, no. no. <laughs> well, like, on the weekends, if it was a thing that we were working on the doors and you know just training people up and falling in if needed, mm. you know, you do like I do still keep my finger on the pulse there because I want to be aware like I mean there's a lot of things after changing especially with COVID and the restrictions and people like we have had 16 to 18 year olds who haven't had social skills regarding work you know going into a bar and what successful behaviour so we've all of this um, to teach them you know to like what is acceptable behaviour and what's not tolerated you know so there is a line there that you know people need to understand you know we have a job to do you cannot commit pub um, from the off license and bring your own drink with you you know that's not acceptable behaviour Yeah. yeah. So do, do you think that lockdown when we came back from lockdown Shanann and Amanda you can take this one too if you want to but do you think that we came back out of lockdown and we were doing events were people a bit more coiled up a bit more likely to, to, to fire off if, 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 if they were crossed I think more so it was more like anxiety. Like we've had a lot of young people who weren't in, like like we've done events and we've done uh, concerts and it was a thing that this had all stopped for two years. So people going into an event or a concert, they're feeling claustrophobic. They get panic attacks. They're not, you know, comfortable in surroundings. So like that's where we come in as well. And we're like making sure that they're feeling safe and they feel that they have someone to go to and say, I'm not feeling like the amount of panic attacks I've had in an environment, you know, and it's okay that, you know, this is normal for them because they haven't been exposed to this before. Oh, so people getting panic attacks? Yeah, that would be more of a concern to me than anything else. Really? Yeah. Is that more common now, do you think? I, I've come across it a lot, so I'm not sure. What about you, Amanda? In your well, situation? I see that the younger crowd don't really know how to behave in, like an environment like a concert and stuff where you have thousands and thousands of people because they've never done it. They've never been there before. Mm. So they're just, they're acting different. They're not like the 25-year-olds, 26-year-olds that know what it's about to go out and enjoy themselves. It's they're getting too drunk or... Mm. Yeah, all that all that pent-up yeah. emotion came back out. So you'd both recommend people to go into it. Shinan, you, you, you say you do the training... How would, if there's anyone listening to us this morning who said, you know what, I'd kind of like to try that, where would they start? 
Um, there's different avenues you can take. Like, obviously, there's um, if you go onto the PSA website, they have a list of trainers who are trained to choose the institute or whatever. Um, like the ETBs, there's a lot of different uh, places that you can go in and you can do it. And um, so you'd go in and get a list of trainer and you go through the training program. So it's a hundred hour program per module. So if you're going to do your security or if you're going to do status, now obviously you can do the dual course as well. So it covers a lot of information there. So it's broken down and what you can and can't do, you know, the civil law. There's a lot of things like when you go into it, like you obviously have to have the English um, language barrier. So like, I mean, you have to be able to communicate in English. You have to be able to write and you have to, you know, for reports and things like that. Um, you need to have an introduction to the private security industry, what the PSA are. They're the governing bodies over the security. So, like, they take the criminality aspect out of it. So, they go around every so often to doors. They're around the city for Jazz Weekend, just making sure that everyone's compliant, mm. that the right people are in the right places and things are going, you know, that there is a standard in place. Yes. You have to like carry proof of your qualification now, don't you? So you do get a PSA badge after you get your qualification. You get a letter, you send it off, and you can get a badge with your your uh, your license number and your expiry date. So you have to wear that, and it has to be visual so people can see, yes, this person has it. You have a picture of me, and you have your ID number on it. Now, your name isn't there on exposed because, obviously, you know, some people don't want their name out there so if you have ID numbers so that they can check if they need to check or if they want to check and um, so there's all that information there on the card so you can check the date and the person so if you have all the correct details there for them when they come around just to make sure everything's compliant but like our job is more customer service customer care we yeah. want people to go out we want people to enjoy themselves and we do have great crack like the, the amount of concerts we've been to the amount of matches you know, there's different events yeah. that have been around that we've got to go to and we've met like big stars that people are like, oh, I had a selfie with him or, you know, you had a cup of coffee with someone backstage. Like, it, it is kind of, it's like a, there is a celebrity circle there and it's yeah. a great one. Yeah. Amanda, it would is, you have come, would you have ever met someone that I might be surprised to hear you'd actually met them? Um, there would have been a few people over the years who would have been the biggest I think Calvin Harris falling on top of me in oxygen in 2008, I think it was, or 2009, was one of my biggest claims. Tell me that story. <laughs> so uh, we were working in Cork in Bondi Beach, if you remember. I do. And I was asked when I go up to oxygen for the weekend to work. And I said, no, not a hope. I don't want to be covered in mud, not being able to shower. But eventually they convinced me. And we were above in the dance arena in oxygen for the weekend working and we were inside in the pit and Calvin Harris was only up and coming at the time so he actually filled out the dance arena mm-hmm. and he went down to go into the crowd to shake their hands but whoever caught a hold of him um, behind my back brought him down on top of me and nearly blew me into the crowd with him <laughs> So Calvin Harris fell over you? Yeah <laughs> Have you a story Shanann before I let you go? I, I suppose like there's a lot of artists like that we'd have come in contact with. Like I mean, Tekken will be one of the biggest event companies out there. So like I mean, you're doing the back of the passes. I've worked in different 
environments like McGannigan's and we've had coffee on the back and, you know, really nice kind of just people having like Bellex One or Story yeah. Fitch. There's a lot of characters out there. Like, um, like we, we are very lucky with the circle that we have, that yeah. we mix it. And, you know, there's a great team. Like, you're all part of a team. Like, Amanda would be more of a management side. So she's behind the scenes setting up, you know, to make sure that everyone's in place, that she's enough bodies for access and egress. And then you have supervisors going around just to patrol to make monitor behaviour and everything is going okay. And if there's anything that needs to be reported back, that we're all able to deal with it. So, like, everyone has their own role and responsibility, you know. If anybody would like to have a, a superstar DJ fall on top of them, they start. <laughs> yeah. They start by going to the website. Give it to us again. Uh, so, so if you want to get to, go ahead. Sorry, you well, we're hiring as well. That's why I went to the pop in and say as well. So we're hiring constantly for events and stuff like that. So we are going to like there's a new event licensing coming in as well where we could do in-house training for. So if anyone's interested in doing events next summer, it's only a temporary license. Um, HR Tech and Security. That I all right. HR Tech and Security. And Amanda, lastly, the change in the licensing laws coming next year. Would you be worried about it? We're worried about it. Like you? when you when you have three hundred staff at a concert and try to get them all licensed. Mm. Yeah. What do you think, Shannon? Yeah, it is, it is a thing that we do need to kind of promote. Like, it is, there is a great social element of it. And who wants to pay 140 euros when you can get work, work at the gigs and get paid to be there, you know? Like, you're enjoying it. And it, it is great. Cost. And I mean, we always have a good laugh. Yeah, you're selling, you're selling it well, both of you. Anyone want to get into security? There you go, hrtechin.ie. Amanda White and Shanann O'Mahony uh, both work in security. A divisive row over the proposed amalgamation of St. Vincent's and the North Pres continuing. Um, we only kind of got wind of this a few weeks back and it was supposed to have been announced at the end of a long period of consultation. And the more you hear about it, the more you think, hang on, who were they talking to and what were they talking about? Because no one we have been able to, 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 to speak to on the show knew anything about the plan until literally the last minute. There was a protest up there yesterday, a protest against the planned amalgamation. Uh, there's also a meeting today involving board of management, staff and trustees. Uh, but Moiraid was up there yesterday and I'll let you hear that next. PJ Coogan on the Opinion Line. Silver winner. Silver winner. Best news story at the Imro Radio Awards 2022. Corks 96 FM. Just before we hear from Moraid's report, that GoFundMe is flying it, lads. I'll give you a figure as to what we've reached uh, in the two hours since I spoke to Jordan. I'll give you a figure before we quit today, but I can tell you it's absolutely flying. We started out at 73,948. Done very, very well over the couple of hours. I'll get back to it. First of all, like I said, Moraid went up to the school yesterday. There was a protest against the proposed amalgamation of St. Vincent's and North Pres. And Moraid met some of the parents. 
Tanya Burke. I have a daughter in the Lear Hub. We've had a lot of issues trying to get her into school. She was only diagnosed with autism last May and she suffers with social anxiety and um, she gets panic attacks and stuff like that. So, like, the school have done amazing work with her. They have met me at the gate with her. They have rang me afterwards to let me know she's okay. I've left the school in floods of tears over her and they've reassured me she's okay and I don't think we'll get that anywhere else. And it's nothing against any of the school, but this is a trial even successful school and it should not be closed down and it's very very hard especially for all the students but just for me personally with my daughter on the spectrum it's it's breaking her heart she's 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 even suffering now already and it's not even after happening yet so I, I can't imagine what it's going to do to her I really can't and we heard uh, the exchange in the joint last night with from the four TDs representing this area and we heard back from the education minister saying about a thorough consultation process would you agree with that? No, we weren't informed of nothing. We weren't informed of nothing. We were completely in the dark. We weren't consulted. We weren't asked. The students weren't asked. No one was asked. We were just completely blindsided by it. Um, It's just, it's awful. Do you know what? Even all the students are saying to us, they're a family. And even the girls that are in the lair mix with the girls in the, the rest of the school. And they're just one big happy family. And that's going to be ripped apart from them. Hi, my name is Tracy Doyle. I have one daughter, her name is Mia, and she's in second year, also in the Lear Hub. Um, for us, I think really Mia would have come to St Vincent's from a secondary, from a primary school that was a special school. So to come here to St Vincent's, I had really thought that would never happen, and it has happened, and she has been so happy to be here. It took her a long time to settle. So for us to move her at this stage, we would be next year in her third year in school, doing her junior school is actually unthinkable. For once in her life, she's settled, she's comfortable, and I think if this happens, there will be no further school for Mia. It will be too much for her. God love her. Even thinking about it, it feels me, my own self, to be freely sad because she can't comprehend what's happening now. Not a mind saying what will be happening in the future. Nicole O'Flynn, my daughter just started in September. Her name is Ellie. So she's absolutely devastated at the whole thing and there's so much, they're actually putting so much in place for her now, like with her needs and stuff and it's just an awful shame now that all the work that they're going to put in is going to go to waste you know hopefully that we can put a stop to it like the first we heard of it was on social media like literally a few weeks ago which is terrible like if you choose to go to a school I think that your choice should be respected and they shouldn't like uproot them especially after like a couple of like a year basically do you know Yes, some of the parents uh, speaking to Maureen yesterday about that proposed amalgamation. It's a story I've no doubt that will run and run and run. 0818969696. This evening at Parky Cueve, it'll be the first rugby match ever to be played at Parky Cueve. The 41,400 people who will attend will be the biggest official attendance at a rugby match in the history of the province of Munster. Although there are those who would say that they were at the day Munster beat the All Blacks in 1978. If you were to believe everyone who says they were there, there would have been about 85,000 people at that match, if not twice it. Tom Savage from the Three Red Kings podcast joins me. Huge occasion this evening, Tom. Absolutely massive. I, I think actually there was around 250,000 people at Thoman Park that day when they beat the All Blacks. Though. <laughs> so they're going to they're gonna have to go and, and, and be a big number this evening. But uh, what an occasion, though. Uh, like Just a, a huge game. Uh, the excitement is palpable around the place. I remember when it was announced and I thought, wow, 
what a fantastic thing because remember the, they played the, the was it the Maoris they played in, in Thoman Park a few years ago and they actually did play an all black selection as well in Thoman Park but this is the first time we've had a match as big as this in Cork and in Parquet Cueve it's huge like you, you look at the last major game that, that Munster would have had in Cork I think it was a game against Leinster in 2006 I think mm. Yeah, uh, like it, it, it's it's a huge occasion for Cork to have a game of this scale there. It's colossal. It's one, just one of those moments where you kind of you kind of have to be there. When I when I knew this game was coming up, I was just like, I have to be in the stadium for this. Yeah. Just uh, the excitement that's there. Just uh, again, like the scale of the occasion. Like this is a, a new thing for Cork to be playing in Parky Cueve. So many of the people who are going tonight uh, will be also be hurling and football fans. So to go to see a, a rugby game in 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 Parky Cueve is very special. No, it's a it's a it's a South African selection. It's not the first team that stood up against our first team last Saturday. But they, they, there's no such thing as a bad South African team. No, they're huge men. Like I was going through the team there earlier. Um, like what they lack in maybe name recognition they will have in size and power and just quality. Like this is a, like it, it, it's not the full Springboks team, mm. but it is close enough to a team that the Springboks could play potentially and not necessarily lose out all that much. There's quality all over the field for them. It's, it's a huge challenge. And to see what someone who is like six foot six of muscle and bone, to see what they can do with a rugby ball is fascinating to watch. And like, oh, it's you. like it's massive. It's going to be incredible. They they play a very fast, exciting game. Munster under the new man Roundtree are developing the game. Munster are in development, and Tom, that makes me nervous for tonight. Yeah, look, there's no doubting that Munster up until this point have been a little iffy. Uh, the performances have been up and down. There's been fragments of good performances in different games, but nothing complete that will say a full 80-minute performance. Now, Munster were very good against the Bulls side that will have a similar profile in size to this uh, South African team. Mm. But mm. I, I think you look at what Munster need to produce here with the guys that they have missing, um, it will be a big ask. But if Munster can click in the way that they've shown that they can do in mm. parts, mm. they have a game that can hurt South Africa. Like, um, but South Africa will be very direct. Like guys, like they've got, got fellas there, six eight, well over one hundred and twenty kg. Mm. Um, they won't they're, they're go around. They'll go moment. over you. They'll go through you. They'll go over. You. The, the thing about it is, Tom. I, I mean, as a, as a Munster rugby fan, like having been at things like the Miracle Match, the Gloucester game, I've seen it all. Like. Roundtree's on to something, isn't he? He needs time to click. What if he clicked tonight? It, it would be like the effect that would have. I was speaking to a few people who were sending in messages to me wondering, why would Munster go anywhere near full strength for a game like this, which is a challenge game, essentially a friendly? And my opinion on it was the value of performing well or even winning in this game could turn around the entire narrative of the season up until this point. Graham Rowntree for me was like, is doing a good job at Munster. It isn't showing in results as of yet, mm. but I think if you give him, Mike Prendergast, Dennis Leamy, right. Andy Kiriakou, if you give, if you give these guys time, they will produce. They're, they're doing something quite different from what has gone before with Munster yeah. in the previous five seasons. Yeah. That needs to be given time. But if it can click here, yeah. that will be, a game changer for Munster this season. Yeah, like even even the, the the last game against Leinster where they were beaten. Like even afterwards, even the Leinster backroom were all saying, there's something happening in Munster. We're going to have to watch this closely. 
Yeah, look, I, I've them. looked. Yeah, I, I've I've watched Leinster beat Munster a lot in the last five seasons. Do we all and have that God game, Yeah, that game was different. The the way that Munster approached that game, it showed something different, and like that in itself is notable. Um, when you look at the the quality that Munster and the guys that they have out, but like there's young players there today: Edwin Adogbo, John Hodnett, Gavin Coombs. These guys are players who are people are so excited about. Yeah. They've already shown their quality, and this is a gigantic stage for them. Where for a guy like Edwin Adogbo, maybe a lot of people don't know about, about this guy, but a performance in this game in front of this crowd. Mm could just change perception about him and, and change perception about Munster in general yeah. this season. That, that's why it's so important. It is. It's a great event. Come here, you're, yourself, you got into this rugby podcasting thing um, and we started the programme this morning, Tom, talking about homelessness. You've been there. You know what it's like. Yeah, no, I, I like when I started off like doing Trio Kings, like I had I had nothing. I was staying in a, in a, in a hostel um, and it was some of the last bit of money I had on me was was that uh, to start up the the domain and start up a Twitter account, and then I only started podcasting maybe a year or two into it because um, I, I started getting some columns in the Evening Echo after a while, um, and yeah, it's kind of gone from there to the point now where it's it's my job and it's yeah it's and, it's, and, it's hard and to believe merchandise some- on the way like. Oh, there is. Like, then I've got some merchandise already out, but it's like it's mad. It, it, it is mad. It's something that I never really, I, I, I never lose the appreciation for it because I've seen what it's like to have nothing. So to get something for doing this, which I don't really even count as work half the time, yeah, it's a privilege I, 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 I don't take for granted and I won't forget. Tom, enjoy the match tonight. I'm going to watch it on the telly. My daughter is going. Enjoy the game. Enjoy the occasion. Here's hoping for, for Munster to do something special tonight. And of course, the Three Red Kings podcast is on Patreon and well worth a follow. Tom Savage, thank you. Thank you very much for having me on. Cheers. That's the programme for today. Good luck to Munster tonight. Programme edited by Imro Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. If you're going, enjoy. We'll see you tomorrow just after night. PJ Coogan on the opinion line. Silver winner. Silver winner, best new story at the Imro Radio Awards 2022. Corks 96 FM. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.